3: All right,
2: Annie, I do have a question for you. I feel like, though, I don't know this answer. What's the closest you've ever been to being
3: arrested? Oh, well, (laughs) it depends on if we're including international. Because internationally, I was almost arrested in China because it's a long, complicated story. But basically, my visa was incorrect. So I went to Hong Kong. I was told it would be fine and nothing. I had the right visa. That was not the case, and they canceled my visa, but I had to get back into China, so I kind of snuck back in. That's right. And I was in the middle of teaching once and I got like a text from one of my other teachers and he was like, they're looking for you, you better go hide. And so I had to go hide in the stairwell (laughs) and like wait for the police to leave. And then when I left the country, the guy at the border control place looked at my passport, looked at me and like put this big X thingy on it and was like shook his head. And I think I could have gotten arrested, but he was too tired to deal with (laughs) paperwork. (laughs) Well, damn, you got
2: lucky on that one, I guess.
3: Yeah, I really did. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I've never been arrested and I don't think I've ever been come close to being arrested. I don't know because who knows I have done silly things that could have been arrest worthy. I've definitely Mm -hmm. shoplifted before uh, Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. One time I felt guilty and I took it back immediately but you know I did it Mm -hmm. as well as probably whatever incidents that have happened when people were being childish and uh, doing stupid pranks and such. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, which I don't think I ever did anything, but I was with people who did things, if uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is a little more serious, but we wanted to revisit an episode of pretty much me fangirling over one of our state representatives who has made national headlines as becoming a face for our state and the state of Georgia as someone who is fighting voter suppression and the new law that has come to pass, uh, SB 202, which... Y'all, says like 95 pages worth of documentation that they slid in real quick. And we'll say real mm-hmm. quick, they voted within a few days. Our governor signed it behind closed doors with what we call the Jim Crow picture, what is now infamously known yeah. as the Jim Crow 2.0 picture. If you're wondering what we're talking about, you can go to my Twitter. And mm-hmm. I have posted some pictures because I'm very angry <laughs> about such things. But Part Cannon is who we're talking about, who I don't even know if it's Bravely. I don't think she understood the level But she just did what she knew she had to do, essentially knocking Mm -hmm. on the door of the office because she wanted to A, see what was happening and to have a conversation about why it was happening. And she is a sitting representative who has the right to be there. At that point in time, when she started knocking and she refused to just go away, essentially, they arrested her and they charged her with two felony accounts, which... We're not even going to talk about that. But yeah, part of these bills that's being passed and going through a lot of our states include things that allow for arresting people who may be protesting or who may have questions about this authority that they are taking away from citizens, as I would say it. But uh, yeah, Park Cannon, if you have been anywhere near the news, have been watching as we are talking about the Voting Rights Amendment, which we know is being discussed on a federal level, which Wash your fingers. This has made a big, big splash, essentially, all around this country about what we're looking at for our future and our future Mm -hmm. in voting. And as you know, we are very passionate about the subject. And Georgia has become quite a spotlight. Yeah when it comes to the politics in the U.S. And people like Representative Park Cannon have been the ones that have brought a lot of change. So we wanted to revisit that episode that we did of me, again, fangirling a little (laughs) too hard over someone who loves her people. It's obvious that she loves her people. And Mm -hmm. is talking about how to be an activist and why Mm -hmm. she became a representative
3: in the first place. Yeah. So please enjoy. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff on Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
2: So, today, we, and by we, I do mean me, <laughs> I'm so excited.
3: Oh, so excited! Listeners. Oh, listeners, I saw such a sight. <laughs> I had a moment, okay?
2: <laughs> but we're so excited to introduce you to a member of the Georgia House of Representatives that I have been watching since the beginning of her career in Atlanta. Oh, it sounds way creepier than I intended, but hey, I have because oh. it's been exciting. But her name is Park Cannon, and I will tell you yes. I got super excited. I got I kind of fangirled. She definitely fangirled. Um, and we know I'm not the best at speech sometimes. And yes, I fumbled a, quite a bit that I had to restart a few times. And she was very kind and patient. She
3: was very well spoken. Also, I feel like this is really indicative of our relationship, which is antagonistic, but beautiful friendship where I just sat back and let you struggle. (laughs) You sure did. I'm terrible. I'm such a terrible person. I really thought it was so sweet because, as I told you afterwards, normally you see people get that way about celebrities. But Samantha, (laughs) listeners, she gets that way about representatives.
2: I get that way about people who are a powerhouse. And I love seeing those who strive to go beyond even more. So when I see someone who, and she is 28, by the way, so a youngin in mm-hmm. comparison to myself, as well as she has been in this game since 2016, as well as the fact that, yes, she is very well-spoken. And when I say well-spoken, I mean she was ready. She oh, was ready yeah. with every question I had, mm-hmm. no fumbling. I was like, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she, and, and as you will hear in the interviews, has some of the best wit, Mm -hmm. Like, even politically, when it comes to combating some of the ignorance that we often see during political times, whatever, whatnot, she had some of the best wit, even in types of reform and types of bills. And I love that so much, because that kind of power, that kind of level of assuredness, like, I know this is not going to go anywhere, but I'm making a statement is amazing to me. And she is one of our representatives. She is a queer black woman who is in our House of Representatives in a very conservative state. Yeah. So, of course, we do talk about the fact that it's turning purple mm-hmm. and we're hoping to be able to be one of those swing state. Mm. But we do know Georgia is very conservative and yeah. we know that some of the biggest controversies came with the last gubernatorial election with Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Mm-hmm. And it's been closely watched. And Stacey Abrams herself has made a name in combating voter suppression. Yes. So just with all of that, when I see things like this and a powerhouse like this making a name for herself in a manner that is so just
3: inspirational. Yeah. I have moments, okay? <laughs> and I, it was beautiful to witness, Samantha. It really was. And I, for myself... Um, and I would imagine for a lot of people listening, it's hard sometimes with politics. It's just, it seems like no matter what you do, it's just constant bad news and there's no change. And hearing from someone like Park Cannon, who does have all these intersectional identities and who does sound so hopeful and like... Yeah, she was very positive. And that was I, so nice to see. Yeah, it was really refreshing. And uh, we've spoke before about how sometimes change... It just takes a while. Right. And it is happening, but bad news is so much easier to consume and so much easier to just bring in on yourself. But to hear her have this positivity and this hope for we're going to get more people to run and it's going to continue to progress was really, really refreshing. Right. And before we get into the the interview, the amazing conversation we had, we wanted to throw some statistics out there because... You know, we love some statistics. It's true. So, according to the History, Arts, and Archives site, there have been over 70 women of
2: color in U.S. Congress since 1964.
3: Yes, which I got my own chance to geek out about when Samantha gave me a a mystery task. I did. I was trying to make sure that this site was updated, Mm -hmm. and I could not
2: find the last updated date. Mm -hmm. So, you sat there for 15 minutes? 15-ish. Trying to find the site for me. And I said you, you definitely succeeded, but yeah, the excitement that you had when you were like, let me find it. <laughs> I
3: can do this. I was bored
2: for this. Yeah, I'm like, she loves some research. I
3: do love research.
2: My girl loves some research. Mm-hmm. So there have been, going back to this, there have been 13 Asian Pacific American women, 47 African American women, and 20 Hispanic American women in Congress to this date, which, not the greatest number.
3: No. Definitely not the greatest number. We we can certainly improve upon that, and I hope that we will. And with those numbers, Patsy Mink of Hawaii was the first Asian Pacific American woman to be elected to the House in 1964. Shirley Chisholm, one of my favorites of New York, as the first African American woman elected to the House in 1968. And Aliana Ross Letian of Florida was the first Hispanic American woman won the election to the House in 1989.
2: And for extra credit, the first woman of color to be elected to the Senate was Carol Moseley Braun, an African-American woman from Illinois in 1992, and Maisie Hirono from Hawaii was the first woman of color to be elected to both chambers. She was elected to Senate in
3: 2012. Then we have some statistics for LGBTQ representation in politics. According to itgetsbetter.org, as of 2018, there were 10 members of Congress on the federal level who identify as LGBTQ. And of those 10, five are women. And of those five, zero were women of color. Now, these are outdated. So changes are coming when it comes to the state level. Constituents are more represented, which again is another example of local politics. Pay attention, get involved. Don't forget about those local elections. They're so important. They are very important. They're more likely to hear your
2: voice, unfortunately, than those in the federal level. And yes, these statistics that we just gave you were more on the federal level. But yes, these local elections are probably more likely to have your voice be heard. You being able to be better represented. So these are why local elections are very, very important and something that we need to be paying attention to.
3: Yes. Check your registration. Yeah. Go out and vote. And we're about ready to get into our interview, but first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. To
2: start planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee. Sounds perfect.
3: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So let's get started with our interview with Park Cannon.
0: I was born Park Cannon, named after an actress who I found out ran for office in Tennessee. Her name is Park Overall. She's an environmentalist. It's really awesome to think about that, but I am a member of the Georgia House of Representatives, which is a part of our state's government. At 23 years old, I stepped off my college campus and decided I wanted to run for office. I did not know much more than that I was frustrated about what was going on. And luckily, when we won our election, we brought a very progressive voice to the state capitol. I am openly queer. I love to make sure that people talk about intersectionality because I am an abortion doula, a birth doula, and a preschool teacher. And I think what's also pretty exciting is that last year at the state capitol, they did an article about fashion at the state capitol and they said it was because of alphabetical order that I was first but you know yeah. <laughs> I love me some fashion well
2: I'm gonna say you're killing it yeah, with this outfit today you're like you, ugh, the shoes alone is amazing and they're heels black and white polka dot heels and you yes. call them the, your rain boots that's yes. even better I'm like yes this is my type of person because I also only wear heels and boots most of the time it's rare to find me and anything else because I am a short girl at five three five four, So I feel like I need that little stature just a little bit, mm. you know, to go with my personality. Ugh,
0: right. Love it. But
2: yeah, your fashion is on point. So I would definitely say it's not just because of the alphabetical order thing. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at your stuff and I'm thinking... I'm about 10 or so years older than you, and I feel very much like an underachiever. (laughs) My God, the things that you have done and are doing right now is just incredible. And again, like I said, I'm fangirling because I love seeing someone with such drive. Um, And you have so many good things behind you. I love, again, watching you campaign. It was one of the beautiful moments. And you are with the House of Representatives and District 58.
0: So District 58 is in Midtown, Downtown, and Southwest Atlanta. I like to call it a reproductive justice district because you have neighborhoods like Virginia Highland with homes in the millions, and you have neighborhoods like Pittsburgh, which is literally the nation's worst representation for Um, predatory lending Mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s um, within the district as well. So you have all kinds of folks, all kinds of families, and I'm really trying my hardest to represent them all.
2: Right. Um, and just for our audiences, this is based in Georgia. Uh, like I said, I love kind of coming, to what's happening in individual states and, and the state level, because I think that's where it all begins, obviously, when we're talking about voting rights and when we're talking about voting suppression. A lot of our voices and all of our representatives are supposed to have our best interests. And so we know that state representation is very, very important. And you are a part of the Georgia state representation because we have a very international <laughs> audience.
0: Yes, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, in the south of the United States. And what we, of course, are fighting against in Georgia is the fact that we are a conservative state, but Atlanta is a progressive city. Right. So I represent them both.
2: Yes. And it's very interesting because we're quickly talking about Georgia slowly becoming a very um, purple state. And then we're talking about slowly becoming a swing state and how important it is that we do keep an eye as we are slowly changing some ideas and some heads, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. As it goes, spreads out beyond metro Atlanta as well. I love seeing that. But yes, you are a big voice and a big representation of that progression. And if you don't mind talking a little bit about your history, because I know you kind of dabbled or started working with Representative
0: Simone Bell. Can you kind of go back to that for us? So in like 2013, I was so angry. In 2012, our state passed a bill Um, That was a part of a federal opportunity to restrict access to reproductive health care. So our state was one of the first in 2012 and 2013 that really took that on to the House and the Senate. And the governor loved it. And all of the departments of public health and community health really had to change their operating procedures. Mm -hmm. I felt that was a waste of taxpayer dollars. And I wanted to know who was responsible. So I got up. You know, put my college sweatshirt on and went down to the state capitol and tried to get to know my legislator. I figured I was going to run into a white man. Yeah. Instead, I ran into an African-American lesbian with locked hair, (laughs) and we really became friends. Um, I'm so proud to know that she found me to be such a pivotal member of her district that when she decided to resign her office in 2015, she called me and personally asked me to run for the seat. Now, I was 23 years old. I had just gotten out of college. I didn't think I was gonna run for office till maybe after law school, after a career. So we dropped everything and picked up a grassroots campaign. We had a month and a half to raise $50,000 and to try to talk to 22,000 voters. And the first election we had In 2016 was in January. So our legislative session, which I was running to be a part of, had already started. So we felt the urgency and tried to get as many voters to the polls. We actually had our celebration party planned for here in Pont City Market (laughs) at 9 p.m. Because the polls closed at 8. Wow. We left our house at like 820, got in this parking lot by like 8:30. And we saw the results. We had lost the election by 23 votes. Out of 22,000 people, if 23 more people had voted, we would have closed the deal. So we had a runoff election in February. I immediately started serving. The presidential primary was in March. Mm -hmm. So we were back on the ballot in March and once again on the ballot in November. So if anyone out there is interested (laughs) in running for office and someone tells you you're going to have to do it multiple times, that's just a part of the game. And that's how we got our seat.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, and as you were talking about to the audience and to the people, what would your statements be about why it is important that if you are as passionate, and as as we are all passionate, to come out and represent and be a voice, and especially for those who are women of color, people of color, those in the LGBTQI, why it's really important right now that that community step up.
0: Culture change is happening in our communities, and it's also happening in government buildings. If you look at the Georgia State Capitol right now, we just put in uh, mamava, which is for you if you are pumping or breastfeeding. We've never had that before. Wow. And this is because legislators who are female, who had tinies, <laughs> needed to breastfeed. And they started breastfeeding on the floor of the state capitol. Wow. And they started to say, we're doing this because people can't come here and do what they need to do. If they want to be a citizen advocate, they have to choose whether they're to feed their child or not, right. and so there are opportunities for our state capital, I believe, to have gender-neutral bathrooms. Currently, we don't, right. and I believe that only if there are more people with intersectional identities who are not just, say, queer like me, but maybe are moms of mm-hmm. queer kids mm-hmm. or maybe dads of trans kids, then that is when we'll see the tide turn. Right.
3: That's a great
2: point. I love that. So in your time with the government, yes, we've been looking at, I've been looking at some of your bills and some of the things that you have been um, pushing. And I did want to talk about, because I love it and I need to know more about it, the testicular bill of rights. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I want to know all about it, how you came to come together. And I decided this needs to be talked about at the very least as a way of protesting.
0: That's right. So the abortion ban in 2019 was really just another day of business as usual at the Georgia State Capitol. Um, Some of my colleagues who identify as Caucasian and male Mm -hmm. were up to what I consider to be business as usual, restricting people's rights, not listening to their constituents, and in fact, doing something that is incredibly costly to our state. They decided that in that day, even though we had done five or 10 direct actions on the state floor by turning our backs to the speakers, linking arms, bringing media in, shouting out Planned Parenthood, not leaving the well when we were supposed to and continuing to speak, but they were still able to get the bill passed. So we said, as much as you have the power to go to legislative council, and to what you say is to write legislation that your constituents want you to write, we do, too. So a few of us Black women legislators went to legislative council, and under the understanding that our constituents had reached out to us about men's health, <laughs> we wanted to write some bills. So we did the testicular Bill of Rights. We additionally did the Vanishing Viagra Act. We also tried to create a study committee on erectile dysfunction. And we talked a lot about the social and mental aspects of masculinity that are toxic and in fact those are the reasons why we have unplanned pregnancies right Um, unfortunately our bill has not gotten a hearing (laughs) but it has gotten media from here across the world we are open to talking about it anytime
2: i love it yeah as i was reading it i think i was giggling but I was really excited because I'm like, this is absolutely the questions that we need to come back to, and the whether it's actually talking about sexual assault or again unwanted pregnancies, any of that. These are important questions that should be addressed. Why aren't men taking responsibility Period. for all of these actions that are happening? Why is this being just dumped on to? Uh, Women or those who identify as women or those who have uh, vaginas in general. Why is that so
0: heavily? And the state's paying for it. Exactly. The state pays in its health benefit plan for Viagra, tier one. Right. You know, get that paid for for active members as well as retirees. Right. Additionally, you know, when we look at what happens when someone is trying to get a DNA test to prove paternity, does the state pay for that? No. (laughs) No. So just trying to pull out some of the foul policies and contradictions of the Georgia Code.
2: I love it. And then as I was reading through your stuff, you also do a lot of work with homelessness and housing and displacement. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know it's always been a crisis, but it's becoming more and more of an awareness, especially with our current administration not really caring about the underlying issues. It echoes Basis. So, so economic. Thank you. Yes. You know words.
0: That helps. This is my job. <laughs> is this
2: is my job, there. y'all. Yes. Yeah, so, can you talk a little more about that, please?
0: Certainly, and thinking about housing insecurity is not just someone who is sleeping on the streets. Sometimes it is mamas who are paying for one week in a hotel so her kids can stay in the area so they can go to school and no one in the school will know what they're going through. We have been hearing from families across the state of Georgia, rural, suburban, urban, you name it, who are facing housing insecurity security. Most people are able to talk about that issue when they see it. Um, Maybe they see it when they're getting off the highway and someone is asking for some help, or maybe they see it when they're at a grocery store and someone is expressly hungry. But what we don't really talk about is the mental health aspects of that and the physical health aspects of that. So we have tried to coalesce with some of the organizations that meet people where they are these are organizations like community land trusts the whole point of a community land trust is to get some land and to hold it in a trust so that no matter what that house on that land will remain affordable Community land trusts right now in the state of Georgia are so notable because Georgia is the first state to ever have a community land trust, beating out Vermont, New York, California years and years ago but we have not done anything to actually protect those community land trusts in staying affordable. So this past year, we worked with the city of Atlanta's housing department and government relations, as well as the community land trust here in Atlanta to say, what are your families experiencing? And they said this, they don't own the land, but they own the house. So when property tax time comes around, The community land trust is paying for the land And they're paying for the house. But that homeowner cannot request an exemption from school taxes, from municipal taxes, if they're old enough, because they don't technically own the land. So there are some administrative fixes just like that, that the governor did and signed and felt was fine. But there are other issues like mental health, Mm -hmm. protecting veterans, um, making sure that trans and gender nonconforming youth who are sleeping. Keeping under the bridge blocks from here because we visit them, actually have a way to get back on their feet. And sometimes that can be through a foster care system. Other times that can be through a supportive family. And we're trying to make some pathways for folks to get out of housing insecurity. That's
2: awesome. As I was reading that, it was really, really inspiring. Just understanding how harmful gentrification can be, but how inevitable it often is. Unfortunately, there's no real solution and seeing things like that, talking about different types of bills, how the government can assist or should be a part of this conversation instead of it just being based on income or based on individuals. And it seems like it's hard press, but slowly at least being conversational.
0: Yeah, we're getting there. and. You know, I'll say one of the most exciting moments I had working across the aisle last year was with a rural legislator who told me about when he was growing up, he used to have bunnies at his house all the time. And he loved his bunnies until he found out they were rats. (laughs) And in that understanding, he would support my bill, making sure that people had safe housing. We were able to pass a bill that is a part of kind of a tenant's bill of rights mm-hmm. to say, if you report your buddies or rats to your landlord, they cannot just go ahead and evict you, mm-hmm. which is what's happening in the state of Georgia. If you report mold or mildew or any of the things that are environmental or health and safety mm-hmm. issues, they can actually terminate your rental contract.
2: I don't know if I knew that. No, I didn't know I that. I didn't know that. Wow. So we changed that bill last year. That's awesome. I knew that there was some changes happening with the renter's rights things. I did not know it included the fact that we could have been kicked out. And I'm a renter. So I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Wow. I'm learning things today, y'all. <laughs> wow. Wow, Georgia. Okay, but we fixed it. You yeah. fixed it. That's amazing. Um, and then also we kind of wanted to come back around. You were talking about foster care and such, something that's very passionate to me. I am uh, I used to be in social work. Thank you. Weird statement saying that, because I... <laughs> I'm not, as of like last week, yeah. <laughs> it's very new. Um, but I was working with the Department of Juvenile Justice. I worked with foster care. I'm also adopted. And I know, once again, the whole idea of religious freedom bill is coming back round. I know that a legislator is trying to reintroduce it again. Unfortunately. And of course, I am more than horrified because there are things happening around the country that is allowing actual votes like this to go forward. Um, can you kind of talk about what that, because I know you've been, in there while they were trying to fight this bill to begin with as we're coming back to this what are some things that we need to be paying attention to how do we vocally advocate and physically advocate to fight against such a bill
0: When you hear the term religious freedom, you should think religious restriction. Right. And we're trying to make sure that people understand whether you believe in someone or something that gets you somewhere, that's fine. We're not trying to stop people from believing or not believing. What we want to make sure that we do is create the separation of church and state. Now, in a state like Georgia, in the Bible Belt, well, mm-hmm. that's really difficult mm-hmm. for reasons like you have pastors running for office you also have governmental policies that create a special space in the state capitol for prayer to always happen so we're juxtaposing people who believe strongly and people who understand what the public wants What the public wants today is for there to be the separation of church and state. You can look at even a place that I don't eat, (laughs) Chick-fil-A. They don't even open on Sundays because they understand for their beliefs that that is what they need to do on Sundays. Great. Do that on Sundays. Maybe if you're a Jehovah's Witness, do it on Saturdays. Do whatever day you need to, except for when you are restricting someone else's life. And in issues related to not only baking a cake for a wedding, even though that Supreme Court case really was disappointing to us all, um, but also about adopting people. We saw this week, As well, the Senate dropped the anti-LGBTQ adoption bill. Mm -hmm. In our words, we know... That research shows that same-sex couples are four times more likely than opposite-sex couples to be raising adopted children. So you're already targeting the group of folks who can help get the 17,000 children out of our foster care system today. What we want for Georgians and people across the world to know about religious liberty, religious freedom, which we believe to be religious just restriction is that if you are able to come to the table on this conversation and say, hey, love thy neighbor, do not judge, then we need you right, right. now.
2: Right. So what can we do? Because obviously I am someone who is beyond passionate about things like this because I have seen firsthand what that ha- what happens to our children when those types of restrictions happen and what happens to the families who oftentimes are more equipped to work with Kids who are little, come from a dysfunctional background. That's right. Because the one thing I've had to tell many of people who ask me about adoption and foster care, I'm like, be ready. These kids are not healthy. Right. You're not getting an Annie from, you know, yeah. the movies. Don't get me wrong, I love that movie. <laughs> I also love you, Annie. Oh, thank you. Thank but, uh, you. But I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is it's obvious these are very troubled youth oftentimes. And we know that after age five, they're less likely to be adopted. Actually, at age three, um, let's be real honest, That's in right. that any child that old has gone through some sort of trauma. And oftentimes, I see people of the LGBTQI community understand that and are more equipped to handle, or at least are more prepared to handle such trauma. So with that, what can we do to continue to make sure our voices are known beyond just the regular emails? Beyond, you know, what can we do?
0: Yes. Three things, one is register to vote, y'all. The deadlines are always happening. You know, people are like, well, when's the deadline so I can do it the night before or the day (laughs) of? Voter registration deadlines are always happening. Right. Don't worry about whether or not you're trying to get it for this election or that election. We believe voting to be a practice. Right. Register to vote so you can see, oh, my polling place is green today. Oh, it was actually purple when I voted last time. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally just a practice of knowing your space when you're going to make these decisions because these are the senators that you're right. voting for. If they have an incumbent letter by their name, please look them up before you go. You can see your sample ballot online across the state of Georgia by just going to the Secretary of State's webpage. The second thing is know that politicians are playing games with people's lives right now and they deserve to be held accountable. Social media is a great way to do that, Mm -hmm. to make people understand that your beliefs are equally as important to your elected officials beliefs, even if they have the power to go in and to write a piece of legislation, you need to remind them that that is only a fraction of their job. The main part of our job at the state capitol is to balance the state budget. If your elected official cannot talk to you about the money that they're trying to get into the state budget for their hospitals and their schools and all they can do is talk to you about restricting people's ability to live in safe and healthy communities, please quickly redirect them. Help them understand that our state of Georgia has the Department of Family and Child Services and their budget line is possibly about to get cut. If they really care about making sure that people have healthy lives, they should be doing a better job of balancing that budget line. The third thing that I truly, truly believe that we can all do is to talk to children. Um, When you're talking to children, help them understand um, what it is that you have experienced regardless of their age. Help them understand why something makes you upset. Help them know that they can speak up if they feel like something is happening. Our children these days are at age three. Mm. thinking about gender identity. Mm. And if we would have adults who would just listen and talk to them and not push religion down their throat at that moment with conversion therapy, mm-hmm. then they might actually be okay. Mm. I am excited in the opportunity, you know, to keep registering people to vote, to keep talking about the state budget and of course to keep talking to children to stop religious restrictions from happening. Right. That's awesome.
3: We do have some more of our interview for you listeners, but we do have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers
3: To start planning your trip,
2: visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
3: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back into it. As
2: we were talking about uh, voting, obviously, Georgia is very, very in the middle of all the controversy with the voter suppression issues, as well as the fact of the giant purge That has happened, which would be also another thing for everybody, all the listeners, to go back and check, make sure you have not been purged, because that is very, very important, obviously. And then also having the conversation of voting being a right and not a privilege. So with all of that, can you kind of speak on a little more? Obviously, we're coming into a big year for everything. Can you speak a little more on that for us to be aware, not only of what's going on, maybe what we should be paying attention to with that as well, because obviously when it comes to the lawsuits and all of that. And we know that Stacey Abrams is a big voice and has started her nonprofit, which is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But just kind of talking a little more and letting us, for the listeners who may not completely know, kind of detail that for us.
0: That's right. In thinking about voting, I think about people who have come before me and people who will come after me. My vote is not about what I want. It's really about what I have seen and what I want to see. Sometimes people get so tied up in voting for a candidate, voting, you know, to make sure that if that person does not get elected, then I'm just Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. And, you know, I'll I'll say, you know, even some of my Democratic Socialist friends, that was the whole point of the Bernie or bust mentality. Right. It was like this or throw out the bathwater right. and the baby. And that mentality is really difficult. It is this cancel culture. It's all of this toxic nature that says if something didn't go your way, then just Kill it all together. But in fact, that's not what voting is about. Voting is all about choice and opportunity. When you go to the ballot in March for the presidential primary, there will be a bunch of people there. There's also a write-in slot. If you don't want anyone, write in who you want to write in. Right. But at least your vote gets counted. Right. If you understand that your candidate is not gonna get selected right before the election, or maybe they have a runoff like I did for their second election. Those votes matter even more. We should be looking out for special elections and runoff elections, but they're not really jargon that people are used to. They're used to like, oh, the primary, yeah, the general. But what about the special elections? What about the runoffs? What about the times when 23 votes change something imagine if you and your apartment building of people or your block of people said we're going to vote and you change the election Mm -hmm. I bet you that your ability to feel more invested in the system would increase what we do know about voters right now which makes me really excited is that they're the youngest they've ever been. Right. And even when they say millennials don't vote, what they actually mean is we haven't done the data yet. Right. They're pulling information from not only 40-year-olds who have 10-year-olds and... (laughs) 19-year-olds who are just getting into college, they can't figure out how to do all that together. All of the pundits can't even do it. And so it's a farce. It is not true that millennials, Gen X, all of us, that we don't vote. We actually do. We've been voting in Georgia at 360% more than we ever have before. But we're doing it in a very specific way. We are early voting. Yes. We're not waiting for election day. So if the election was supposed to be on this coming Tuesday, this whole week would be early voting in the state of Georgia. We'll do it (laughs) the week before. Right. Get off of work. Get out of your place. Go early vote. And that's really what's going to make the difference in this presidential
2: election. That's awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I've been taking over. You get no, to say go for I get it. I get really excited. As you can see. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> these are very important issues right now. I know. Um, I was gonna say ask one two for those who are considering running, because those who are considering getting their their foot wet. I'm not one of those people, just so you know. Um, <laughs> what would your advice for them be?
0: Three things, of course. I love it. One, scrub your social media. Not because you're trying to change who you are, but because when voters come to look at you, they're looking for bite-sized pieces. They want to understand, okay, this person does that, they went there, and they served in this capacity. We know the average, you know, like... Title on a page, um, you know, mentality is 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. If you hold your phone right now and just stare at it for 10 seconds, you're going to be bored. So people are not really going to take that much time to look at like your, you know, 2014 post about visiting the Grand Canyon, unless you want that there to prove that you're an environmentalist, right. go ahead and just clean it up so they can actually see you right. in the noise of what is the internet. The second thing, of course, is get a kitchen cabinet of people who you trust that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Your kitchen cabinet is that thing, you open it, you're like, hey, Cheetos, hey, Doritos, hey, girl. You <laughs> can go in there and just let it go, and no one else has to know. Mm-hmm. You need those handful of people who you can say, did you know they pulled up my yard signs again? I'm so frustrated and my mail piece didn't go out on time and I'm late for my interview and my shoe broke and all these things. And then you can zip it together and go in and do the interview. You need to be able to have that kitchen cabinet to carry you throughout the campaign. And the third thing is raise some money. Right. I was a 23-year-old broke college student when I decided to run for office calling all my 23-year-old broke friends who would say, yeah, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad you're running. This is awesome. I really cannot give you $25. I would take $5 from my friends because that's one yard sign. And really thinking about how you can do exciting things on a grassroots campaign. We raise money at drag shows in our election because that was a part of our voter and that was a part of our campaign. So don't think about raising money as this yucky thing that is self-serving. Instead, like I said, if you're running for office, you're running to balance a budget. You should be able to ask for money. That's the job you're going to do. So it's really some like job training. Yeah, yeah,
2: money. He has to have that money. That's true. Damn money. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Being poor, now I'm like, ah, oh, money. <laughs> um, would you like to discuss anything that we haven't brought up? These are any projects, anything that's specific to you that you would love for our listeners to, listeners to know about? Words, listeners to know about.
0: To all the families out there, you know, I just want to thank y'all for resisting. It is difficult. You know, it's hard. I know that. As a doula, I'm working with mamas who are about to deliver or who have delivered right now. And the state of Georgia has gotten the worst ranking in maternal health outcomes. As people say, black women are three times more likely to die than their counterparts in childbirth. As much as we do want to educate the public about that, I believe we should be sensitive mm-hmm. in how we do it because mm-hmm. it is triggering, mm-hmm. it's traumatizing to tell someone that they might perish um, for making this life decision when you have also restricted their ability right. to terminate a pregnancy. right. So I just want to thank families out there and the people who support them and to let you know that I'm always here in Atlanta, Georgia, rocking out. Fighting for, you know, the end to voter suppression and the continuation of some progressive politics. Awesome.
2: So I do want to ask a personal question, because obviously you have a very heavy duty duty job, heavy, (laughs) heavy duty Uh job. What do you do to give yourself a chance to step away? What is your outlet
0: Thank you. Family is definitely number one for me. I went to college for dance. So I really like to dance. That can be like in a class or in a club. You yes. might catch me. Yes. Come on, Atlanta. Or yes. Yes. <laughs> Friday night.
2: Let's do this. It's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> oh, we're going to be friends.
0: <laughs> so much fun. Um, and then the third thing, of course, is shutting down off of social media. Sometimes it can be really toxic. Yeah. And whether you're in elected office or not, I think we all need to do that.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've been so excited. I've been telling everybody. Mm -hmm. She has. Park's coming. I'm so excited. So yes, I'm a fangirl over here. I'm really excited that you are here. I'm really excited that you are a giant voice for our state and are part of the fight in progressing. Um, Your your heart and obviously your passion has been an amazing representation of Georgia. So thank you. Thank you all. And that concludes our interview with Park Cannon. As you can tell, we were very excited and it could have (laughs) lasted a lot longer. I did have to have a couple of moments of, all right, chill, Samantha. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay.
3: Um, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I'm sorry I let you suffer, (laughs) but it was a beautiful thing to behold.
2: And I just want to tell everyone, yes, please get involved. And. You never know. Reach out, talk to these people. They will reach back to you, and they will have a conversation with you. And that is very, very important in getting to know who your representatives are.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I love her story of she just was mad. Yes. About who was representing her, went to the went to the Capitol, and then met someone who then mentored her, right. tapped her to run, and reach out. Yeah. There's no telling what can happen if you just put an effort in getting to know people. End of story. It's true. I used or, to tell myself that all the time. I could either stay in, which I would love, but I could also go out and meet people and okay. I don't know what that will lead to. It can be rewarding sometimes. It can be. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's kind of how we met. That's how we met. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I just want to say thank you, Park, for coming in with us and sitting with us and having such a candid and open conversation for those who are thinking about going out and actually trying to become a part of the voice, being involved by getting into politics. Listen to our advice. There's some amazing things that you can do and encourage you to do so.
3: Try. Represent us. We need you. We need you, yes. And we need more voices like Park Cannon and in this, which is Black History Month, as this comes out. Um, Always want to spotlight women of color who are out there. Fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight and doing amazing things and inspiring all of us. Yes. Yes. So if if you would like to email us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You, where you can see a very uh, well, I'm embarrassing. A photo of park cannon samantha and i and i look like i just came in from a blizzard but i'm actually just cold <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked don't you want to take your jacket off no nope. thanks as always to our super producer andrew howard thank you and thanks to you for listening stuff mom never told you is a production of iheart radio's how stuff works for more podcasts from iheart radio visit the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows